The lights come up. The camera focuses. You are somewhere in between, and the reality of your life is on show. We feel compelled to put on a show and give a pleasing performance all the time. And on the stage of life, sometimes it's filled with some award-winning performances that most will never get to see on stage. Sometimes, not all of our stories are all glamour. I am Philip Clark, and I want you to join me today as we unearth the many roles of actors, teachers, singers, artists, lawyers. Writers and much more, as they share their journey and the lessons learned on that journey. Welcome to Lights, Camera, Real Life. Before I start, I normally have what you call a lesson I learn from theatre. And one of the lessons that I learned from doing theater is this, focus on your character. Now you've heard the saying, to thine old self be true, and you must always try to be yourself. But in theater, a character comes on stage and a character plays a role that no one else will play. The story is made up of characters who play specific individual roles and each character has an objective on stage every time they come on stage. The character's behavior adds to the story, adds to the plot, and adds to the conflict and eventually the resolution. So why do we try to play a different character from what we ought to play, from where we ought to play? Why do we do that? Focus on the person that you are supposed to play. Focus on your persona. Focus on, focus on your purpose. You don't need to focus on anybody else because you bring something specific, something special, something that no one else will ever bring to the fore. The reason we have conflict has to do with difference. Conflicts lead to resolutions. So when something is going wrong with your relationship or with that work, know this. You add to the mix so that something better can come from it. Focus on your character. Nobody else. As, in, as I'm saying in Jamaica, no watch no face. <laughs> okay? Welcome to Lights, Camera, Real Life. It's such a pleasure to be here tonight again, and I'm very excited to have my guest on here tonight. And I know a lot of you are tuning in to find out a lot more about who this person is. And he is very excited to share. He is one of my good friends and a very talented and bright man. He's, he's, he's really inspiring. He may not know this, but before he comes on, I want to just big him up a little bit and tell him how much I'm inspired by what he does with his work. Of course, I'm going to tell him again to him face. But let me welcome you guys welcome all of you and feel free to ask questions i know my guests will be happy to answer them so i think he is in the room in the house so i am going to invite him on because we don't want to waste more time and my friend is here let him on so that he can say hello to all of you 
I think he is coming on right now. And right about now, we have in the house Mr. Patrick Waldemar. Patrick Waldemar. By the way, Patrick, that name is just so gargantuan it, it, and it's so stylish. You're going to tell me a little bit about that name a little bit, okay? Well, I, I can't understand the gargantuan bit because being in New Orleans, I've put on about 15 pounds. So, <laughs> hey, you got me there. <laughs> oh, my um, God. Oh, my goodness. As well, far as I know, Waldemar, I've done a minimal research on it. Yeah. Um, it is a two things. It's a German first name, Valdemar, mm -hmm. and it is usually a Danish last name. Um, if you go with the Danish, then it is Danish royalty that was called Waldemar. So Look of course I, I will I will lean towards that. But anyway, Look that no problem. Do you think? But they, <laughs> But the German Waldemar section of it, the first name, I can only imagine, especially with Germantown, because my father's out of Westmoreland. And of course, with Germantown being around there, I can only assume that somewhere in our history, one of our owners was called Waldemar. I see. Yes. So yes. They stuck absolutely. Us, they stuck us with the name and not the money. Yes. <laughs> true. So, my friends, we have started off with my guest talking a little bit about the history of his name. Thank, welcome, Ingrid. Ringrid, Ingrid says, greetings from Kingston. Patrick, so good to see you. Hey, Ingrid. Info. How are you doing, hon? <laughs> welcome, my friend. Welcome. Thanks for coming. So, Patrick, I have one little introduction for you. Now. So, just allow me to just kind of give you a little Okay, team. go ahead. Can you do that? Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, Welcome to Lights, Camera, Real Life. And tonight, my guest, I would like to introduce to you at this moment, he is one of the Caribbean's leading watercolor artists. Yes. Name one abroad. He's also a graduate of the American Academy of Art in Chicago. Yes, so in big, broad, and always. He has exhibited work in New York, UK, Canada, and Jamaica, of course, okay? Oh, I was wondering oh, why oh. you didn't put that first. Eh? <laughs> I was wondering why you didn't put that first. Actually, but you know, I'm just interrupting you for <laughs> <laughs> He has won several awards, several awards. I won't go into them right now, and he will probably give us a little bit more history than that. Recently, though, he completed... He, an exhibition, right? An art exhibition at the courtyards of New Orleans at the Steve Stella, Stella Jones Stella, Stella, Jones, Stella Gallery. Jones Gallery, right? And so, my friend, he's joining us all the way from New Orleans this evening. Welcome, Patrick. Good to see you. Thank you. Thank you all for being here. Okay, one try my best to sound very officious and intelligent. <laughs> if it don't work sometime, forgive me. <laughs> so what are you drinking tonight? Because I'm having a little bit of a what you call beetroot here to improve oh, my beetroot. Beef. I didn't know they made an alcoholic beetroot. Um <laughs> You're not gonna draw me out tonight, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I am drinking a little Japanese whiskey. 
Japanese whiskey. Whiskey. Mm-hmm. Okay then. All right. I see. What? Stylish bottle too. <laughs> Trust me. Ladies and gentlemen, my guest is Patrick Waldemar, and I want to just let you know that if you look behind me, you will actually see one of his pieces of work that he actually signed for me personally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm important like that. Uh, does, this, does this have a title, Patrick? Uh, what was that again? Heliconia. It was the Heliconia, right. Yeah. yeah. I did a I, whole I, series of them. That one is just a... Uh, 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 what do you call it now? Not, not what's the bird? Oh God. Anyway, there's another one that I had, which I prefer the name of over that one, but I prefer this painting. The other one was called Heliconia Rastrata. Okay. Of course, because of the rust part, I like that one, the name more. Mm. But you know, you don't have to wonder. But every evening, every Wednesday evening, my guests come on and they probably see that in the background. So, and I said to myself, I cannot be showing up your piece, your work of art like this, and don't invite you onto the show. Oh, so I geez. said, listen to me. No, man, I can't be advertising the man art all over the place so I'm not come on the show. If you look behind Mr. Waldemar, you'll see a whole array of his creativity behind him. So my friends... Feast on it, but tonight we're going to talk about the man, the man Patrick. So Patrick, you're getting straight into it. Go ahead. You, you, your parents mm -hmm. tried to steer you in a particular direction, which you refused, and you decided that you're going to take your own path. Tell me a little bit about that. Well, um... I'll start out by saying to you, most people always ask me, why drawing? How did I get into drawing, etc., whatnot? And the first thing I say to them or ask them, you know that all children draw, right? Yeah? Yes. Well, I've just well, never drawn. You call it doodling. Well, all children draw. I don't know why you're going to put that label on it. <laughs> but I'll only tell you that um, I don't think I just haven't grown up. Yeah. You know, so that's still my first my first love. Um mm -hmm. so I started out with that. Um wanting to draw. I can remember as far as my father, who was a mechanic, coming home with uh one of a little small um scratch pad and a yellow pencil. And I would go crazy the minute I saw the yellow pencil because I could sketch oh, and carry oh, on. God, it must, it's a very strong memory because I must have been like three, four sort of thing. And, you know, the memory isn't all that good. So for that to stand out, you know. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. So... From that, it went on with my wanting to draw, wanting to draw. And I said, okay, you could go to art, Saturday art classes at the Institute of Jamaica. So I did that for a while. And then my parents divorced and um, my mom remarried to a Polish man and we left for Chicago. Okay. I kept up with the drawing thing. Well, 
before that at school because I went to Arden. I went to school in Jamaica up to first year of Arden. And I do remember getting little beatings because I would draw in my exercise book. And then I got very smart, you know, and tore out those pages, not realizing that my mother was still smarter than me. So I would get little beatings for having exercise books that were too fashionably slim. So <laughs> what can I tell you? So then we, we migrated to Chicago, uh, entered high school there. <clears throat> and, um, you know, in the last year of high school in the States, you have to decide what you're going to major in. Mm -hmm. I wanted to major in art and my mother said no no my mother coming from that generation of jamaicans because i think if my father was still around he would have backed her with that you know no way there's no way uh study something else you need to be like a a, a, a teacher or you know doctor lawyer yes well the usual. Not, even though my father was part indian not indian chief wrong indian so um, it was a situation of me being a little bit more stubborn, still tearing out pages. Mm -hmm. I purposely waited. You had to sign up for the various classes. And I purposely waited until all the classes were closed except for art, which, of course, most people did not want. So I majored in art at that stage. Then after that, I wanted to go to the American Academy of Art. And now that I think back on it, um, I actually got in, I don't know if any of you, that's probably so way back, if you've ever seen any of those things about um, draw this and get into art school or something, something like that. They usually have like a, a pencil drawing of a pirate or something like that. Right. Anyway, I did that and was accepted and wanted to go to the art school. And my mom said, no way, you're crazy. I'm not spending that sort of money to send you to art school. If you want to go for Saturday classes or something like that, fine. So I said, okay, take what you can get. And I went to the Saturday classes and without her knowing, sat for the scholarship at the school. Um, they had first place and second place. And this is Chicago in 1960 five or something like that. Uh -huh. Chicago was and is to an extent a fairly racist town. So I got the second place, which I guess because of that situation was the equivalent of first place. Kind of sure as hell wasn't going to give it to me. But um, I got that. And at that point, my stepfather, so I got first prize was the full three-year course. Second prize was two years. And at that point, my stepfather said, look, if he's that stubborn and he really wants it that much, we'll pay for the last year. So hence, I wound up at American Academy of Art. Art. Yep. Now, now that experience is, is, is telling me that Mr. Mr. Waldemar, Patrick, the man Patrick Waldemar is a bit stubborn, isn't he? I think most of my friends would probably say, yeah. I say, oh, no. <laughs> Anne-Marie's saying, I saw Mr. Bantu. So somebody's like me. <laughs> Thank you, Anne-Marie. <laughs> but what it really is, is that you felt something 
inside of you that was pushing you to do this? It's almost as if you're saying, boy, if I can't do this, I can't be. Was that it? No. <laughs> I, there, was no uh, there was no thinking about it. I was like, you know, when you put blinders on a mule, uh -huh. so you can only go in that direction. So it was just love? It was, it just... was just something inside me that said, that is my path. That's my direction. Mm. So it wasn't a matter of, sure, we had this talk the first time you asked me about the show. When mm -hmm. you were telling me about um, why did I set, decide on this role and I was asking you about the word role and all that sort right. of thing, you know? Right. Um, you want me to go out on that line? <laughs> well, the, the, the show is about the roles that we play in life and the lessons learned from them. And okay. I, I, I believe that each of us plays a role, whether, it's, whether we are a son, a father, a mother, uh, an artist, a lawyer, a doctor. Those are what I describe as roles, but you, 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 you disagree. I just, it's a matter of semantics, I guess. I mm -hmm. more, we just use the word, and I think I tend to more see it as a path. A path. Now, you chose the path of being an actor. Right. Now, as far as roles are concerned, you can decide you, you want to play the role of a father, a son, a mother, etc. Mm -hmm. You can put on costumes and play those roles. Yes. But in I real life, in I real don't have life, that talent. That's but in real life, what is it? It's a part that was either chosen for me. It's not a role. It's not something that I feel I can take off and put down okay i mean i could force myself off it i don't know how that how spiritually i would react to that which leads me to this question how does one know what is their chosen path um i think most people most people do to an extent if you stop and read the signs or in my case stumble along follow it because there's that certain passion in me that this is i have to draw i'm always drawing i just felt stubborn about it so i did it etc so i think you have to there's that old saying that you know you, you you'll be happiest doing what you love best mm. So, I mean, I don't see myself being an accountant or, you know, a doctor or a lawyer or whatever. Okay. It's just so, not me. So, so, so let me ask you something now. When somebody feels fulfilled being a mother or a father, is that, a, is that an indication that that is their chosen path? Uh... If that's what they're going to concentrate on mm -hmm. and decide you want to be like, I have a good friend who I can't believe this. I used to read her bedtime stories. She mm -hmm. is now a Jamaican woman 
um, half black. The mother is white, is white Jewish Jamaican, and the father was Indian Jamaican. Mm -hmm. She's now an Orthodox Jew here in New Orleans, going on to her fifth child. Mm -hmm. And I definitely think that that is her love and her path, etc. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. <laughs> the ladies in your audience would have to tell me how enjoyable that is five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten times. You know, <laughs> that must be a path. <laughs> I don't quite see it as a rule. <laughs> you know, you know, I want to go back to your childhood in Jamaica. You spoke a lot about your generation of parents, you know. Most of us can probably relate to the fact that most of our parents don't want us to do anything called art and anything in the arts because it doesn't put food on the table. It's not going to make you rich. And these are some of the things that pragmatically people look at. Right. Growing up in Jamaica in, as a teenager, what were some of the things that helped you to define yourself, helped you to find yourself? I think my... That part of my life where you start consciously thinking about that type of thing would have been more in the U.S. Because oh, okay. I migrated from Jamaica oh, when yes. I was like 11 yes. years old. Right. Yeah. Right. And, um, even though I went through the drawing and the, the thing and kept up with the drawing, I think one of the things that help me in terms of because that that side of art and that level of art is a lot about imagination yeah mm -hmm. um to go back a second once you get through that phase of being able to copy that photograph or that pencil drawing of the pirate etc whatnot mm -hmm. there's a difference between being able to copy and do a nice black and white copy of whatever is in front of you versus being an expressive imaginative artist you get me oh okay i can train anybody our school can train anybody to draw etc whatnot it is a skill mm -hmm. right to carry on before after that you have to start putting more and more of yourself into it so what feeds your imagination well as getting back to that that once i moved in chicago and actually before that because i used to do it in in jamaica too um comic books science fiction constant diet of it to this day and if it has to be if it has to be a comic book then all i can say is Boom. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, so it's, it's, that helps to stretch your mind. Mm. And if you can incorporate that with, or at least if I could incorporate that, because that is not necessarily the path that everybody would take. Okay. <laughs> so in terms of, in terms of the environment, Jamaica, U.S., and I mean, more recently, New Orleans. More recently. Yes. What is, is there anything that you get? I mean, most artists say they are inspired by 
some kind of vibe, some kind of energy. But for mm -hmm. you, when you compare Jamaica to New Orleans, is there any kind of, hey, hey Aaron, uh, is there a ki any kind of uh, specific feeling or sensation or, or inspiration that comes from either of the two, or are they just separate and different? And I keep telling people in Jamaica and in New Orleans that both places are so much alike. Have so, not so much alike, but have so many, um, they overlap in so many ways. It's just that New Orleans is like Kingston on steroids. Boy. No, sir. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Break, 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 break. Ladies and gentlemen, we're speaking to Patrick Waldemar, Caribbean watercolor artist. I mean, he is one of the best, if not the best. I haven't seen anyone better. But my friend, he just made a statement a while ago, said New Orleans is like Kingston on steroids. Explain that to me for me. Explain that. Let me take a drink. <laughs> um, okay, you have the, the temperature. I keep putting it this way. Anyhow, New Orleans had a, not half, but three quarters with decent beach. Jamaica, for a while, would see less and less of me. Oh dear. Yeah. Where is it similar? Well, I shouldn't say that because there's also, I mean, New Orleans, there are no mountains or anything like that. Mm -hmm. And I love that. Mm -hmm. I'm telling people that as far as Jamaica is concerned, right now, it wasn't like that before, but then I was also coming out of Chicago, which we'll get back to. But when I want to feed the peaceful side of my soul, mm -hmm. Jamaica. Ah. So Jamaica the rivers, for you is the not mountains. About, huh? Jamaica for you is not about your your inspiration to paint. It's just about your personal Oh no, I feel like painting. That's if if you look a lot of my landscapes and whatnot are more Jamaican than Definitely. Definitely. You know? I, I have another one where it's 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 like a country setting that I absolutely love that you, you, you gave me and it was it was it was really it reminds me of country because I grew up in Brownstown St. Mm -hmm. Anne and I, I think I saw uh, my, my sisters here earlier on Sherman hi Sherman hi uh, Brownstown St. Anne actually for me helps to calm my energy and my spirit just as what you're saying so I, I like that rustic thing so you're saying that I'm saying it, it, it inspires me to paint uh, I mean, one of my favorite things to do was to go to Castleton and hurt up my ass by sitting on a rock for three or four hours because once you start with the same pa the damn paintings, you always hear this thing about oh, artists that forget to eat and whatnot and all that sort of thing. But when, when I'm painting out in the field like that, I forget to get up. You try sitting on a rock for two or three hours even though you know you should take a break, but let me just do this one little, no, this one little grocery and this one, you know, and you wind up cramped. Yes! Not, not to mention ants and mosquitoes, etc., whatnot. So you have to love it. You wow. know? Um, Michelle, says, Michelle says she goes home to Jamaica to rejuvenate her soul. Yes, Michelle. Amen. Yeah. Amen. 
New Orleans also rejuvenates my soul. Like, for instance, go to Chicago for a while. As I said to you, Chicago, and this goes into the various, um, the various mental phases that I've been through. With Chicago being racist, etc., whatnot, back then. Opened my eyes in the 60s and whatnot to this whole um, black is beautiful. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's not just now. Right? Um, the whole Kent State thing where they shot students and all this sort of thing. Oh, no. um, but then when I came back to Jamaica and saw some of the conditions in Jamaica, that disturbed me, and I was coming with that mental attitude from Chicago. Um, I remember having a, a exhibition called the Garden of Eden. Um, I had Adam and Eve on a veranda, or outside of a veranda, with the burglar bars barring them from entering. Wow. Okay. Wow. Um, I remember being out on the beach, big what we, what we used to call Big Sea over by Palisados, mm-hmm. and finding the body of a little doll, a little white doll. I don't think they used to make black dolls then. Just a, just a torso. No head, no arms, no legs. And I took it back home with me and did a painting of this doll in the sand, but with the stomach cracked open and a black woman's head with an afro coming out of that, giving her the black, the white doll giving birth to that. Wow. Yeah? Wow. So it, I, sounds... I was in that sort of mode. I mean, yes. I remember a friend of mine has this, some, where did I see it? Anyway, I don't remember who has it. But again, Adam and Eve, there was Eve handing Adam the apple and this white snake wrapped around the tree. So that was the sort of thing. No, that, that, leads, me, that leads me to a question, Patrick. This is my view. I've always felt that visual artists can be compared to a sort of a, an oracle, somebody who is like a, 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 a soothsayer, somebody who can, a seer. Do you think that as an artist, you see more, and I, I'm talking you know, mentally and, and spiritually more than others, and does it frustrate you when you create a piece of painting and what you are trying to communicate to that person when they come and they view the artwork, it, 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 it's not what you had intention. Does, does that I've do something to you? No, I've learned no that it does not. It should not frustrate me. Um, you know, you always hear these sayings about um, the poor starving artist. I mean, I went through, I wouldn't say I was starving, but I went through a period where I was living um, living out at Harborview because I could not stand living with my aunt and my uncle, 
my parents were in the States. Mm -hmm. And I used about 65, almost 70% of my salary that I was earning while I was working to rent a three-bedroom, because that's all was available, house in Harborview. Had no money to furnish it, so I had a 9 by 12 piece of industrial carpet, a two-burner gas stove, one of those tiny refrigerators, refrigerators, a little Philips radio, mm -hmm. and a friend of mine made four three-foot cushions for me. And I went over to said Big C and brought a donkey cart wheel that I found as my main um, de decor piece. No chairs, no tables, no beds, nothing in any of the other bedrooms. No dining table, no nothing. You come to visit me, we all sit on the floor on the four mm -hmm. cushions. When you leave, I pull the four cushions together and that's my bed. Yeah? So I have been through... A my landlady, they, because it's Harborview, the pipe under the privet, you know what privet is? No. Privet hedge, that hedge with prickles. A little oh, tiny that's... plant with prickles all over it. Right. People used to use as a hedge. The water pipe coming into the house was underneath that privet hedge. And it burst because it's one of the old time sort of lead pipes or whatever. Right. She insisted that I busted... The thing, I say, you're crazy. You think I'm going to go underneath there and bust it. She's not fixing it. I couldn't afford to fix it. So it stayed there and spewed water until Water Commission came and locked it off. And I had no water in the house. Lived in that for three months like that. Would wake up water? Yeah. Would wake up every morning and walk down early, like 4.35, and walk down to Harborhead Park, swim, shower, brush teeth, etc., whatnot, and fill up a bottle and slowly walk it back up to the house, get dressed off to work where I could then use the bathroom and the toilet, etc., whatnot. On Saturdays and Sunday, I had a friend that was about two roads over that I could go do that for, for three or four months. So that was my starving artist, period. Come back to your point when they say that an artist has to suffer. What you just mentioned is part of the suffering, a big part of it. So the suffering necessarily is not losing your legs or being so broke you can't afford this or whatever. The suffering is the aloneness. It's not necessarily lonely because I have friends, etc., whatnot, but the aloneness of just what you spoke of. That I paint something, and no matter what I think I've painted, you can maybe see around 70, 75% of it. Other than that, you're going to look at it through your own eyes. And my communication, even if I stand up there and explain it to you, you'll say, ah, yes, I see it. But I was, people are always telling me, oh, I see a head right there, and I see this right there. You know? So it's, it's that communication aspect. So I have just learned to do what I have to do and just be in the moment with that. My friends, my friends, we're talking to Patrick Waldemar, visual artist, but 
I'm learning so much about the mind and the heart uh, of, a, of, a, of an artist. And we're getting into how he thinks and how he feels. Very important, Patrick, that that point was made because many of us don't really look at an artist and see them as that entire package. We, we tend to see the work and we associate the person with the work, but we don't, we don't see further than that. And maybe if we become creators ourselves, you know, we begin to understand what you're, you're going through. But question to you, what is the most valuable lesson you've learned about yourself? Uh, after creating these works of art? Well, one thing is to give in, to give in to focus and learn to believe in yourself because there are self-doubts all along the way from back in art school days, from right on up right till now. And you have to learn to step on them and keep going. There's even a thing with painting. It just happened to me with one painting. Um, I haven't posted it yet. Um, that I was doing the other day. I did a quick sketch on, the, on my iPad. And everybody, oh, love it, love it, love it. I liked it too. But my intention was to do a big 40 inch by 40 inch um, painting. Mm -hmm. I started it, I didn't like how it looked. I started over, uh, it was coming along, but it's not quite there. I was going to give up and start something else. And this happens with a lot of paintings. The paintings, just to digress a minute, the paintings that I finished like that, yeah. I charge more for. Because oh. that means that my hand, my eye, and my mind are working in concert and just go zoom. I see. Whereas when I have to fight and fight and fight, I finally finished this painting and took it to the gallery to, today, as a yesterday. And they love it. So, you know. Um, that, that's interesting. I, I, I want to I wanna, I wanna go, go back to that. It's interesting that you say that there are, there are two different types of ways in which you look at the art. Why is it that when you struggle to do it, you would charge less for that? Isn't it your work, your art, your time, your talent, your skill, the same thing? Uh, that's a part of it. That's a, a, a minimal part of it. But in something like that, if it turns out good enough that it satisfies me totally, then that is my talent and my skill that has come more to the fore than my time so you have to be the you have to be ultimately satisfied oh yeah yes it's okay definitely okay. you know mm -hmm. um, number one interesting because, i mean if i do something mm -hmm. and i mean I, I remember a friend of mine um larry chang that said that larry said his art teacher had told him that even if there is a part of a painting that you like it's good enough for something or someone. Mm. I can see with that, but overall it has to satisfy me 99%. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You Which know? is why you're in competition with nobody else but yourself. Yeah. 
Yeah. You know? You sound to me like, you know, if you were, a, if, if you were not an artist, you could easily be a civil rights uh, activist. Because in your painting, especially in your most recent... Hitler. I'll sell you anything. Was, was there anything? Was there was was there a time in your life when you did something other than just focusing on strictly art? Uh not really focusing on it because then I would probably have gone into that. But I have always been, and I suppose it's part of my the art too. But I've always, from a child, been fascinated with light and electronics and all that sort of thing. So I probably would have gone into computers and or physics or something like that. But you did advertising for a while. Yeah. Um, was that was my compromise. When I kept on going with my mom and said, well, I'm going to do this and I want to go to art school and da-da-da-da-da-da-da, my compromise to her well you have to burn you can't make money at this and whatnot was to say okay i will do commercial art so i oh. studied layout and lettering and all of that fortunately mm -hmm. for me the advertising art teacher there was also chicago's the midwest united states top watercolor artist and although I could not take his class because the way the school was set up, it was at three hours um, for each class and it's a six hour day. So mm -hmm. like I had layout in terms of putting an ad together and then for the next three hours was lettering. If you want me to do your typeface with all the proper type kerning and all that sort of thing, I can, well, used to be able to do that. But I snuck one time into his watercolor class during my lunchtime and I saw him do a watercolor painting and from that I decided hell or high water I have to learn how to do that so I set off I've never until about four years five years ago I have never been in a school to learn watercolor or anything like that. And before I, I went to the Art Students League in New York for four or five weeks, a um, few years back, and that was just to see whether I was doing it right. Mm. Three well, of the... You clearly are doing it more than right because, I mean, look at the wealth of works that you've produced. Well, three of the four instructors that I interacted with uh -huh. said they couldn't teach me anything. Ooh. Her fourth one was a Japanese-American woman, and she said, your technique and all that and your handling of the brush and your colors and whatnot is fine, but you need to let go. Forget about technique and just let go. And so she taught me the most in terms of saying, well, hey, just have fun and to hell with trying to make it look like a good watercolor or the watercolors that you've seen. You've, yeah. you've conquered that. Yes. So just, just go. That, that, yes. that um, technique and skill is there. Don't think about it. Just go on automatic pilot. Ah, absolutely. Ingrid has a question for you. Ingrid, uh -huh. says, 
Ingrid says, can you share a little bit about Waterworks? What is Waterworks? Share with us. What is that? What was that? Waterworks is the advertising agency that I started. Mm -hmm. um, still exists. My brother runs it. My brother and his staff run it. Um, <laughs> I started it in Jamaica. I had formed a company which was going to handle my watercolor paintings. Hi, Renee. Welcome. Renee says hi, Patrick. Hey, Ren. <laughs> yeah, I started it as it was registered as a company that was going to handle my watercolor paintings. So it's artworks in water, other known as waterworks. Um, I was working with an advertising agency at the time, got fed up with them. Me and the boss had a tussle. I left. He then tried to really squeeze me financially. And I remember having just oh, a few pennies to my name. I think I had $600 Jamaican to my name. My rent was 400 my car payment at the time was 200 and then electricity, etc. This is like about Waterworks is 30 something years old now. Okay. Um, okay. So I just went off and me one, I went to London. You alone again. Why you always go off on your own? Yeah, man. I, that day that he's, put the squeeze on me back because they were paying some of the car payments and he backdated that. So the bank came at me for money. Right? And by the time I added up everything, I had like about $40 left. And I said, well, what the hell can $40 do? I oh. like Chinese food. I don't <laughs> know when I'm going to have Chinese, a Chinese meal again. So I'm taking myself to lunch. <laughs> when Went to a Chinese restaurant, saw one of our clients there, was sitting, he said, come sit with him. Uh -huh. I was sitting with him, another client walked in, and I said to her, Bev, she was the head of DNG's marketing department at the time. I said to her, Bev, I just want to tell you that I'm no longer at Waterworks, so if you ever need me, give me a show. Sure, Patrick. Left and went home. Two days later, I was at Gallery Apartments, and the, the, the groundsman came to me and said, boy, Mr. Patrick, there's some man in brown uniform in a Jeep downstairs. I don't know Ooh. if it's police or what. So I said, Jesus, I know I have not done anything. What the hell? So anyway, girded up my loins and went on downstairs. Turned out to be people from DNG saying that Miss Lopez wants to meet with me. Yeah. She asked me to design four labels for a, product, a new product. I designed the labels. She liked them. And then I said to her, do you have an advertising agency for this? She mm -hmm. said, no. I said, well, let me do something. And me one sat down on my balcony at Gallery Apartments and did two TV commercials, four press ads, radio ads, the whole of that, and took it and got the account. And that started, Waterworks started from that. Brilliant. Well, it's clear that you are not just creative, but you also have a, a singleness of purpose. You know, you, you focus on one thing and you just get it done and you do it well. I try. <laughs> yeah. 
Asira, how much time? Let me go back to just for a second, if I can take over. Go back to New Orleans and, and Jamaica. Mm -hmm. New Orleans, the difference is that New Orleans, Kingston is an exciting, vibrant city sometimes. There's also still the old school that's in a lot of people's minds, whether they want to believe it or not, that you have to play this role or that role or that role or that role. I remember being at a family thing and having a pair of crazy shoes. And my cousin, who is like about 45, said to me, we have on young boy shoes. I said, because I like them. New Orleans, you don't know, find anything like that. People don't seem to have any kind of age limit. Oh. I was at my favorite little bar on the corner of the French Quarter about three nights ago. Socially mm -hmm. distancing. You can't drink inside the bar. You have to buy and go out. But they'll put tables outside six feet apart. Mm -hmm. I'm sitting out there. A little old woman, paraplegic, rolls up in a motorized wheelchair. Right? She must have been about 75, 80. Rolls yeah. up in a motorized wheelchair with her drink in her hand. Yeah. And says... So, and then I buy me, well, she didn't do it in Jamaican, but I, <laughs> you're not buying me a drink. Nobody's not going to buy me a drink. I want a nice young man to dance for me so I can go home That's and right. Drink, so I can go That's home and right. drink about it because she can't walk. <laughs> 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 so, to, to tell you the truth, what happens to me is that oh. social and color division mm -hmm. is here. And alive. Yeah. So I'm almost back at Chicago in terms of the racial thing of sitting down, yeah. but I get a chance to analyze a lot of what's going on in the society and the situation in the United States now. Mm -hmm. When they talk about black people and prisoners and whatnot, I can see why I can see what happens and see why it happens. Yeah. You know? So 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 which leads me to the next point. I, I, I gather from your paintings, there's a, sign, there's a kind of subtle protest going on oh, yeah. in your paintings. Is that reason, so? And I said that to the gallery, and the reason the gallery said I like it, the reason it is subtle is because you need to be able to live with it. I don't want to be shouting in your face. I want to grease the thought and put it in your mind quickly and subtly mm. and leave you to think about it. And the truth is, art is so, it's almost like, it's like a spirit. Whenever you see a painting and you see an image, it can stay in your mind for a long, long time. I'm going to post know? the one that I just finished. It's yeah. called Ballet, Ballet d'Afrique. And it is a black ballerina on point. And there's a row of people below her that are KKK, and she's reached out and snatched off one of the KKK hoods. Ooh. So it's this ballerina doing her extensive dance thing with just one yeah. hand holding up a, a KKK hood that she's snatched off this entire line of people. Ooh. So you see the beauty of the ballerina. And then it has yes. a border of Andinka symbols around it. 
So mm. all the African symbols for strength, strength of purpose, intelligence, um, all, all the various um, things. If you see the painting, you can look at the symbols and go look up Andinka symbols mm -hmm. and you see the full story that's written around the edge of the painting, but very subtly. Yeah, clearly you, you, you love the skin that you're in and you love the culture that you're from. And I want to applaud you for using your art to actually communicate those messages. Uh, yes, we don't have a lot of time, but, but it, it time just flies so quickly. It can, I know. We just start. We just start, but I didn't finish my drink yet. God. <laughs> <laughs> but let me ask a question. Um, art can change. I've always felt that art can change the world. Artists are the saviors of the nation. How do you respond to that? Um, I will tell you my philosophy, my philosophic saying that I'm proud to say I came up with on my little lonesome. Mm. There, is, there is an art to everything. I like it. I as like long it. as you do what you're doing with your heart, focus, your soul, etc., be it an accountant, be it, be it a garbage collector, being an artist, whatever you're contributing, and you contribute with your heart and soul like that. I, I agree, Ingrid. We have to do a part two. Yes, she's Ingrid. <laughs> you have a lot of wisdom to share. Oh, wow. Yes, Ingrid. May I agree with you? May I agree Thank with you, Ingrid. You make uh, me sound so intelligent. There is an art to everything, as long as you do it with your heart and soul. Listen to me, no man. Say it again, no man. Me not cut it back. <laughs> There's Trust an art me. to everything. It's as simple as that. Yeah. Until you start thinking about it. Yes. So, 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 I always say that the person, my, the person who my show, don't have to be actors. They don't have to be performers. But we all play different roles. And and Renee, Renee has been on my show as a guest. Thank you okay. so much, Renee, for tuning in. And she was a Fabulous, fabulous guests, leaving some great nuggets. But yeah, man, as long as we do everything to be hard, we are creators. We can affect Everybody. change. Everybody. So I got to ask you, I always ask my guests them the question here. And I know a lot of young people tune in to, to this show, and a lot of young people follow me on, on IG. And I'm somebody of, as you know, interact with young people when you they don't consider yourself young <laughs> i mean just going by my family just going by by young boy shoes you know i'm not to stay on my young people and them keep me young and fresh you know see me all right how many, anyway, olds, how many 70 year olds do you know that wear comic book shirts still? You know? Not, not many. As somebody tell us that you don't grow up yet. No, you don't grow up yet. I'm not. <laughs> and no intentions. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. Which is why I love you so. What would you say to one young person listening tonight? What is that one thing? If you were to say one thing to that young person, what would you say to um, It's a combination of there's an art to everything. So whatever you're doing, do it to your best, etc. whatnot. 
Second thing is focus. And I think the lesson that I have learned over the past has really come home to me over the past, say, eight to ten years. Yeah. Um, and it's the reason I used to paint at home on my veranda. And then I went out and got my studio. So I get up at five o'clock, I go to the gym and then sometimes go back home or sometimes head straight for studio. Yeah. And I'm there until five, six. So whether I feel like I don't go in for that shit of, oh, I'm an artist and I can only draw when I feel like. Mm -hmm. Feel like it every effing day. If you even draw two lines, because once you start something, if that is your chosen field, you're going to get caught up in it. And as you get caught up in it, if you start analyzing what you're doing and starting to learn from what you're doing, you'll be able to appreciate the fact that you're doing it every day as work, whether other people think art is work or not, mm -hmm. or, or learning to code or whatever. But once you start something, it will, if you really love it, it will capture you and lead you to the next step and the next step and the next step. It's like I said, some people said to me, Lord Patrick, just do me a little sketch, no? I can't. I cannot do that. Because the minute I start doing the little sketch, yes. every line leads to another line and that takes another piece of me, piece of me, piece of me, piece of me. Yes. And you're asking me to, so unless I really love you, you ain't getting it. Mm. So focus, work, at your chosen field not yeah. that that you're not to enjoy life please yeah. <laughs> have a drink while you're doing it right but, yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> but also even while because i mean when i go out here i now have my ipad and i sketch and i am now sort of known as oh you're the artist you did a sketch of me you don't remember me no Oh, see it here? Because I might give it to them. I won't sign it. Once the signature goes on, that's when the money comes in. <laughs> but from club to club to wherever, if I see a New York, that's the thing with New Orleans. It's so full of characters. Every yeah. time I go out and I'm about to leave, some crazy madness walks into the place and I get sketching and the next thing I know. Because... By 10, 11, 12 o'clock, I'm ready to go home as an old mm. man. And that's 11 o'clock in the night? Eh. And that's 11 or 12. And that's when they a, a start which one, a which old man? A which old man in my talk about? You mean the young man at 11 o'clock? What? Still, you mean to still be out at 11? Yes, sir. No, 11 or 12. No, but, oh. but I'm saying stop calling yourself old man. You know, oh, old man. Nice phrase. <laughs> <laughs> it's my it's my little attempt at respect. Leave me alone. Okay, okay, yeah. I get you. Understood. <laughs> I'll forgive you for that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you are sitting here now in New Orleans. Things that I would not do in Jamaica. I mean, well, I I've never liked cricket. I always thought it was boring. Mm -hmm. But up to Monday night, at the club, at the bar football yeah. game, screaming and shouting and whatnot. And what the bloke wrong with you? And this and whatnot. Catch a fool. 
Well, you're making yeah. pass the ball. Da, 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 da. Can't believe it's me. Oh, my God. Well, guess yeah. what? You're loving life. You're enjoying uh, the energy that's around you. And I think that's Thank that. you. You've, you've, you've verbalized one of the things that I would like to tell young people. Yes. Don't just do it. Stand back a first second every once in a while and look at yourself doing it. Thank you so much, Patrick. I have 23 seconds left. And I just want to tell you, I learned so much. I am humbled. And my guests are saying we need a part two. Thank you so much, my friends, for coming. And thank you, the friends of Patrick, for joining and giving him your support. Thank you all. You Thanks, were man. late, Cheryl. Have a good night.